Several years ago, an Episcopal, that's Anglican, diocese in the United States was celebrating its 100th anniversary. At the time, the diocese had produced a beautiful coffee table book that contained short histories of each of their parishes, along with a generous helping of pictures. At the diocesan convention, which we call a synod, that year, the book was sold everywhere and anywhere between legislative sessions in the exhibition hall, you name it. They even had a table set up in the narthex where, where the um, convention Eucharist was being held. The book was being sold to folks as they walked in. When the diocese's retired bishop took to the pulpit for the sermon, he began by saying, I'm sorry if you heard the commotion a few minute, moments ago. There was a homeless, long-haired man who got into the church. He was shouting something about his father's house, and he turned over the tables where we were selling our book. Don't worry, we got rid of him. Don't worry, we got rid of him. Of course he was kidding. There was no commotion, no long-haired homeless man. But the bishop also wasn't really kidding. He was levelling a clear criticism using the story of Jesus clearing the temple to critique the diocese's overzealousness in selling the book. The bishop was afraid that the zeal for the book was getting more energy and attention than the mission of the church. Don't worry, we got rid of him. Where is, to, where is Jesus to be found? Where do we encounter the holy? Is it at church? Is it only at church? Can Jesus be found at church? Or do we get rid of him? Well, as you know, life is full of ups and downs. For Jesus, it was no different. Like us, he had times when all was going well and according to plan, but other times things turned to custard. Over the past few weeks in Mark's Gospel, we have read of Jesus calming the storm, healing the Gerasene demoniac, healing a woman with hemorrhage, and restoring the life of a little girl. All great things. But in today's reading, we see Jesus face a downturn when he returns home. Thomas Wolfe wrote a novel entitled, You Can't Go Home Again. The book is about a man named George Weber. He is an author who has written a successful book about his hometown. When he returns home, he expects to receive a hero's welcome. Instead, he's driven out of town by his own friends and family. They feel betrayed by what he has written about them in the book. Weber is shaken by their reaction to his work and leaves his hometown behind to go and find himself. George Weber discovered that those who know you best tend to respect you the least. In the 1970s and the 19, early 1980s, during the height of the charismatic renewal movement in New Zealand, Justine and I were avid conference attendees. We religiously attended every Christian Advanced Ministry summer school at Lincoln University that we could manage. Each year, bigger and brighter speakers were brought in from overseas to give us the goods 
on Jesus, God, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Gradually, it dawned on organisers that there were a number of New Zealanders whom God had called into this type of ministry and were more than adequate as conference speakers. But when the locals were keynote speakers, attendances fell. Someone from overseas whom we don't know and who has good advanced publicity draws a greater response than someone we do know, someone local who appears to us, well, ordinary. Maybe we have known them for years, went to the same high school, attended their wedding. We know that they can't really walk on water. We see this often at work when we're looking for a new vicar. I've noticed over the years how many parishes look past those they know, those in the diocese, and search out someone from up north or from overseas. It is thought that Roman philosopher Apuleius first coined the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt while rarity wins admiration. Prophets are not without honour, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house, said Jesus. He faced the same familiarity breeds contempt syndrome. Jesus had already picked up something of a reputation by the time he returned to his hometown in Nazareth. His mighty works were becoming well known. So it was not surprising that when he came home, the unsolicited tribute is that he was both a teacher of great wisdom and a powerful healer. What deeds of power are being done by his hands, they said, as they paid a tribute to him that could not be denied. The people can't disprove his effectiveness, but they are puzzled about him. After all, he was only the village carpenter turned preacher. And at least one reason for the cool reception in his hometown lies just there, his humble origin. The people were scandalised that a working class man should do works of power that claimed that God's kingdom had come in his person and presence. That claim was more than he could take, so they refused to believe in him. Jesus did not come with pomp and ceremony and power and great public relations team to be a popular leader or dictator figure. Rather, he came, came to, as just an ordinary prophet preacher whose compelling authority lay in his self-giving service and a special relationship to God. There was no halo around his head and his feet touched the rough Palestinian soil at every point. Gospel of Mark loves to accentuate the full humanity of the Lord. A second reason for the people of Nazareth to be disturbed was the rumour that Jesus was illegitimate. This is the meaning of the son of Mary. To address a man in those days as the son of his mother was a calculated insult, suggesting he was born to her while she was single. 
No man in the East, whether his father was living or not, would be known by reference to his mother. It was always in reference to his father. It is insinuating that no true prophet could have such a dubious parentage. The Nazareth townsfolk stumble over his lowly origin and they never came to believe in him. Jesus was shocked and disappointed by their lack of faith and the extent of their unbelief is seen in his ability to do any messianic works at Nazareth. His cures of a few sick people were due to his compassion. Otherwise, his hands were tied and he could not reveal his true person. We are in touch here with the fully human Jesus whose feet were firmly planted on solid earth, even to the point of his inability to do his works. He shared all our disappointments, frustrations and setbacks as a true human being. To believe in Jesus the Christ is more than the intellectual acceptance of various teachings. The people of Nazareth admitted that the teaching was impressive, but they needed to go further. Again, to believe is more than accepting the possibility of supernatural power in Jesus. The people could not deny his miracles. Many people today accept the existence of the supernatural, but do not have faith in Jesus. Christian belief means a personal acceptance in the core of our being of Jesus Christ as the unique revelation of God to us, as the only authentic way to God, as the saviour of our sinful humanity. The Latin word credere, from which we get creed, means to believe, and that comes from the word cordere, to give your heart to Jesus. This is what the people of Nazareth would not do. And in the absence of faith, Jesus could do no great deed of power there. Mark's comment is startling. It points out that our hearts can be open to Jesus only from the inside. Holman Hunt captured that fact in his early 1850s painting called The Light of the World. And some of you who've been to St. Paul's Cathedral have no doubt seen it displayed there, The Light of the World. He based his painting on Revelation 3, verse 20. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come to you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus is pictured holding a lantern in one hand and knocking on an overgrown and long unopened door. And if you look closely, you notice that there is no door handle on the outside. Holman Hunt described it as representing the obstinately shut mind which can only be opened from the inside. So the first part of our gospel reading today challenges all of us to look at how we receive Jesus. As a local workman with pretensions, a great teacher and healer, or the saviour of the world, 
Emmanuel, God with us. And as Holman Hunt's painting reminds us, the choice is ours to make. Amen. Thank you.